Hello again. You may not have been expecting another podcast to occur until next Sunday, which is Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter. But I had a thought that I wanted to share with you from one of the readings of the Mass of Easter Day. It comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, which was the second reading, although there is an alternative as well that you may have heard at Mass on Easter Day. But in this letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, I particularly was struck by the third verse of chapter 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'll get to that in a little while, but first I want to talk about St. Paul himself because it helps us to understand the depth of his writing, which we encounter particularly in this sentence. We all know of his dramatic turnaround, his conversion on the road to Damascus. We all know that he was a dedicated and perhaps you could call him almost a fanatic Pharisee. And after that experience of meeting the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he became a disciple, and not only just a disciple, but an apostle of the risen one, who he understood when he was a Pharisee to have made a false claim to be the Son of God, the Messiah. One question about St. Paul, who is my patron since baptism, that I find myself continually returning to and pondering, is how did St. Paul learn so much about Christ so quickly? Well, first of all, St. Paul tells us himself. In writing to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 12, he says, that he did not receive what he is preaching from man, and nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This revelation of Jesus Christ that he experienced on his way to Damascus made St. Paul proclaim in the synagogue in Damascus only days after his conversion and baptism that Jesus is the Son of God. It seems that in that experience of his conversion and his meeting of the, with the risen Christ, St. Paul was given a divine infusion of knowledge. And it was immediate, so that he could express the opposite of what he previously believed. However, he treated that gift that he received, that divine gift, with great reverence and care. Soon after his conversion, particularly when the Jews were out to get him, he went away to Arabia and there he lived for three years in what could be called an extended retreat perhaps allowing his appreciation and perception 
of this miraculous gift of faith to develop and deepen. And even when he came back from Arabia, it was 12 years in total between his conversion and when he was called by St. Peter and St. James to begin his work as an apostle, preaching to the Gentiles. So let us return to that one sentence. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That sentence is a very f- part of a very short reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. And this reading is built upon the understanding of the sacrament of baptism, which St. Paul earnestly and rigorously preached and defended. We have to remember too that he's speaking of what he experienced personally in his own baptism by Ananias in Damascus three days after his dramatic conversion. So let us use St. Paul to help us appreciate the sacrament of baptism and what was done for us which will lead us once more to that sentence, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see, at our baptism, we put on Christ. That's how St. Paul expresses it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. We put on Christ. Not like we put on clothes, because they can be taken off again. However, the white garment of baptism is a visible expression of it. No, when we put on Christ, we put on a new identity. And this identity we have in and through Christ. While we are still the same human person through baptism, we become an adopted son or daughter of God, a member of Christ's holy church. We are different from all those who have not received the precious gift of holy baptism. Part of this putting on Christ is also that we have entered into Christ's own death, into his burial in the tomb, and into his resurrection from the dead. And all of this is somewhat hidden, as St. Paul says in this sentence we are exploring. So how is it hidden? Well, first of all, we have to remind ourselves that hidden does not mean it's not real or it's false. When children go on an Easter egg hunt, the eggs are hidden from sight. But just because they are hidden, it doesn't mean that they aren't there. If they weren't there, no child would ever get involved in an Easter egg hunt. There's nothing there to find. So when St. Paul says that our life in Christ is hidden, he means two things. Firstly, that this life in Christ that we live, as surely as we breathe and eat, is not visible to us entirely. We only get indications of it, suggestions of it, passing perceptions of it, brief consolations that it is real. And why is that? 
because it is not the life of this world that we live now. It is the life of heaven. And heaven is hidden from our eyes. But also hidden has another meaning. It can be hidden in the manner that we veil the sacred vessels for Mass with the chalice veil, with the verse on it. That we veil the monstrance in which the precious body of Christ is placed for adoration. These sacred things are hidden because they are precious, of great value. So too is our life in Christ precious. It is of immeasurable value, precisely because nothing in this world can be used to measure it. Not gold, not diamonds, not silver. The value of our hidden life in Christ has a value that is supernatural and is eternal. And we will fully see its value if, please God, we get to heaven. As you probably know, on Easter Sunday and also at the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night, we renew our baptismal promises. And this is one of the two occasions in the year when we should renew those promises, which for most of us were made by our godparents and our parents at our baptism. These are not empty promises. They are so important that if they are made during the Easter Vigil or on the anniversary of our baptism, there is a plenary indulgence given. That is, the full remission of all sins confessed and forgiven in the sacrament of confession. So I encourage you to renew your baptismal promises during this week, which is the octave of Easter, if you have not already done so through participation in a Mass on Easter Sunday or, at the, or through the Easter Vigil. Let us always be grateful to Christ, not only for what he has done for us in his passion and death, but also for the life he has allowed us to have in him, a life that will be unveiled and revealed in the glory of heaven. Thank you.